Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone for another episode of Bedrock and Balderstone, and we're talking about Farscape Season 1, Episodes 8 and 9. That's uh, That Old Black Magic and DNA Mad Scientist. And before I give my opinion on them, uh, Adam is our Farscape expert, so Adam will uh, usher us in with That Old Black Magic, Episode 8, and then we can um, you know move into the next uh, the next episode. Yeah, so this is an episode where uh, they land on a planet looking for a cure for Rigel's flu. Uh, and in the process of going through the market there, Crichton encounters uh, a wizard of sorts who knows a lot about him and promises he can help him uh, and is lured into a kind of trap with Captain Crace, the uh, peacekeeper who's been trying to get revenge on him. And uh, it, that leads to... Uh, Zahn having to make a, a sacrifice to try and help him. Yeah, I I like this episode. I like any episode I think of any science fiction show that starts in a space bazaar of some kind. That those are usually <laughs> it's usually a strong indication that's going to be an enjoyable episode. Uh, you know, there, I've been I've seen a few stinkers, but but usually I end up liking those kind of uh, storylines because there's a so usually I, I think maybe something about the space bazaar is just like a good venue for yeah. whatever whatever you know whatever like. There's just a lot that they can draw on in terms of writing. They're not as limited. Um, but this one, I, I, again, I was telling Adam before, it reminded me a little bit of that movie, The Dungeon Master, with Richard Mall from 1984, which I haven't seen in ages, so I don't even really remember the plot. I just know this reminded me of it. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that since the mid-'80s when it first came out on, on VHS, so it's been a little while since I've seen it, but I, I get what you're saying yeah. with, with, that, with that movie. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I last saw it on VHS as well. It was probably closer to, like, 1991 or something like that, but still it was quite a ways from now, you know? <laughs> um, maybe may, it might have been the mid-'90s. If uh, I don't know, Did we still have VHS tapes in the mid-'90s? I can't even remember. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really till the late 90s. I mean, it, you know, 97, 98, maybe that the DVDs started okay. really taking off. All right. So, so yeah, it, was, it could have been the mid eighties, but it was a while, I mean, mid nineties, but it was a while ago. And, and this kind of reminded me of that. And I don't know. I just liked the sort of the sorcerer setup. I just thought, you know, and, and they didn't even like, I, I guess something I'm starting to realize is they're not even really trying to explain away magic with science. <laughs> yeah, and a lot. Like, I like, like, I guess with the Zahn stuff, I just always dismissed it as being um you know sort of like her uh, uh like belief system or something so you know it, it was um you know it, I, I like that i like that they're just not even um uh yeah this this is a interesting episode it's a little bit divisive because you know some people aren't okay with a space wizard just showing up in their science fiction show i mean i i don't really have a problem with it in farscape farscape is always more on the science fantasy side like you mentioned zon and so on so it's not that big a leap and i yeah. kind of felt like there was a sense of you know i've heard people complain well he can just do anything whatever but i felt like there was kind of certain there were kind of certain rules he had to follow like the way the way he kind of has to lure Crichton into wanting to visit first you know it yeah. feels like he needed some kind of some kind of willing participation. Then when it comes to talking about crates, he kind of talks him into, uh, uh, 
you know, wanting to talk to Chris and, oh, you can, you can work everything out. And that, I feel like he kind of needed that to, to be able to pull Chris yeah. into the world. So it's like I don't feel he had unlimited power. He was just cunning and drawing power from other people or something. There seemed to be some underlying mechanism there. Yeah, no, it, it it's very Star Warsy with like you know it seems like they're like they have the Force and that's like the mystical component of Star Wars and it seems like this this priestly thing that's going on with Zahn and the stuff that was going on with Sorcerer it all seems like it's somehow part of the same field to me. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a yeah. there's a there's there's a connection there, so it doesn't feel like they're randomly throwing in a bunch of dis, disparate, uh, you know, unconnected, you know different kinds of magic it's 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 all it all kind of feels somewhat related at least thematically um so i i i thought it worked i also i i, I kind of like that they don't really they weren't really trying to justify it in any particular way you know what i mean that, exactly that... yeah I like, to, I, I like the fact there was an implied logic to it underneath but they didn't need to explain it they didn't need to go oh crease not crease sorry uh uh Maldus needs to uh to do this to get this to work, they didn't didn't really go too far into that. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, of course, when we get to see Crace again for the first time since the pilot, he uh, shows up, and we, I, I think it's interesting the way you get backstory to him that in some way makes him more sympathetic, but at the same point, the episode largely just makes him look like more of a bastard than he already did. So. <laughs> yeah, he, he... He's an interesting character. I thought that was actually the most interesting part of the episode was their interactions because yeah. what, what I think what I think it was they weren't making him sympathetic. They weren't. He yeah. just didn't look like a madman. He didn't look like a crazed guy that's just like, uh, you know, has no personality beyond the, the drive to, for revenge against the main, the protagonist. Yeah. You realize that he's a more complete person, and he. But at the same time, the episode ends with him kind of getting into Darth Vader territory. Do you know what I mean? Where, yeah. where he, Next you know, snapping. yeah, where he's, <laughs> and and I think technically he didn't do it to an admiral, but there was an admiral in the conversation. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so it's close enough. It's close, close enough. enough. I, I, it felt like a an homage of some kind, and I and I started wondering. I was like, well, is is he eventually going to be wearing some kind of plasteel mask? <laughs> 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 but uh yeah let's well, yeah and, and obviously at that point he does uh does go completely rogue at this point you know he's been kind of on this mission now it's just he's thrown his orders away he's been ordered back he's just completely out on his own now so but uh but yeah it, it was I, I thought it was a fun episode i really i really enjoyed it it wasn't like it it didn't it didn't really take the show in any like wild new direction that i wasn't expecting or anything like that mm-hmm. But it was it was a solid episode, and it felt like you know. And again, I'm mentioning it because if at some point we're probably going to do the next generation, and and I know you have very strong opinions about it. it there was a Q quality to the episode, but Definitely. it was a much more subdued and effective <laughs> Q type episode. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't. It, yeah, it, it, no, you can't you can't get away from a comparison to Q at yeah. all. And I mean, and I, you know, actually, I I've been critical of Next Generation. I. I think I think Q in certain doses. I I I have mixed feelings about Q. I mean, he he is. I I, I really like the Lancey's portrayal of the character. I feel like by the they reached they reached a point of diminishing returns, perhaps with Q by bringing him in too much. But but yeah yeah, you, you have to talk about Q when you talk about this episode. No question. And this and this was more like a. Um... 
uh, Anthony Hopkins. If Anthony Hopkins were Q, do <laughs> you know what I mean? Was... Yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely darker than Q ever was. That's for sure. Um, but but yeah. So I, I enjoyed it, and I liked sort of the trajectory they went with Zahn, where we see that she had this darker past that was more open to violence and and causing pain. Um, yeah. And and that she has to kind of tap into that. And and it and it seems that once she does tap into that, that it's difficult for her to just reverse out of it. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's because of the species that she is, or if it's the 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 cultivation of her religion. She's some kind of she's a ninth level priestess of something. So you know, <laughs> uh, you know, but but it's intriguing to me. You know, it it, it, yeah. it sort of hints at a much larger world and universe. You know, you talked you talked in a previous episode about, you know, the D and D connection, how she's like the cleric of the party, and it's like she she had to she had to hurt Rigel to change her alignment, so she had cause light wounds instead of cure light wounds yeah. as her default spell. That was that was what was going on there. But uh, <laughs> to put it in, in ridiculous D and D terms. I was but, actually uh, searching for that because I was trying to figure out what happened to her. I was like is that like, does she have an XP penalty? Does she have to sacrifice levels in this to become the, like, um, No, she just had to change alignment, yeah. that's all. So uh, she's fine. But, uh, no, no, and, uh, but yeah, another highlight of the episode, I like, uh, I like Rigel's, uh, Hynerian ceremony of passage that he does for Crichton. That's a, uh, that, that was pretty funny. I thought that was enjoyable. I also like, you had mentioned that that they gave instructions to the actors to really handle Rigel, and I noticed when he, when when Crichton came out, he, uh, <laughs> he, he he's he's clutching him, and it and it was really effective. I was paying close attention to that because you had mentioned it, and and it really did add a lot to the scene, you know. It does because um, I was imagining the scene without him doing that. And, yeah, you know, yeah, it's 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 a really good suddenly being awoken kind of gesture too. It's like he's just he's. Crichton's not entirely awake yet, and he's just kind of gripping on to Rigel. It works on a lot of levels. And I, and I quite like how, how Rigel was, was trying to take all of his possessions. You know, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it was, it was a, to me it felt like a really fun episode. It was Like if I was watching this on a weekly basis, I would have been very satisfied with, with what I saw. Um, and, and, it, and it would have just, you know, you know, just been sort of like a, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, like a solid b do you know what i mean a solid b I yeah say. yeah yeah i think so and uh i yeah and also one thing you asked about back on the pilot you're like hey is he going to be talking into his recorder at the end of every episode <laughs> yeah. and this you got him talking to dk on his recorder at the end to sum up the uh the episodes so he's still he's still doing it you don't see it every episode but now, it's there before we go into the end the next episode is there anything on this one that you wanted to cover before we move on. Uh, oh yes, there is actually. Yeah, one. Uh, uh, I'm going to highlight one thing which will come up again later that you didn't. I doubt you even remember it being mentioned in the episode. But just, just, just so you know, when, uh, when, um, when, when Maldus is in his kind of jester personality and he's trying to lure Crichton in, one of the things he tells him is that he lost his virginity to Karen Shaw in the back of a minivan. Mm-hmm. That will be important later. 
Okay. All right. Thank you. For, I, I mean, I do remember it now that you're pointing it out, but it was pretty. Yeah, it seemed like a minor thing at the time. So. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, I. But, but not for a long time. But that 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 matters. Okay. But, uh... Okay. Now I'm intrigued. Um, and so the now next can... episode is DNA Mad Scientist, and and so before you even give the rundown of it, which you will, I want to say I really really like this episode a lot. Yeah. I was, I was, is... There are so many things. That I loved about this episode from the beginning to the end. Everything down to the fact that the guy ends up being one of the lab experiments. Do you know what I mean? Yes. That, you know, it was it was perfect. And, and also there's and again, there seemed to be another Star Wars homage here where the creature that he was at the like when they reveal what he really looked like before all that transform transformative stuff, he was like the little, I forget what they were called, but like the little gremlin things in Jabba's palace. Do you know what I mean? The ones, yeah, you're right. He looked you're exactly right. like one of those things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I really, really like this episode a lot. I, I've, been, I've been excited to get your opinion on it. I, 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 had a, I had a feeling this one would really appeal to you. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, to give the rundown, it, they, uh, they encounter a, I don't know one thing, just, to forgive the title, DNA Mad Science, I mentioned on on uh, PK Tech Girl there were two episodes where they they never put a real title on it and always left the rough draft title. Yeah. This is the other rough draft title that they just never put a real title on it. But uh, but yeah, they, they encounter Namtar, who's this this scientist who can analyze where people are from based on their. DNA, you know, and like Crichton calls him out. It's like, you know, can't you just take a skin sample or something? He's skeptical of the whole thing. And he, you know, it's just, I, I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, we, we had magic in the previous episodes and stuff. I feel like, you know, Namtar is working on some kind of weird alchemy level of science that, yeah. that exists in the Farscape universe. Or Crichton's just like, this, this, no, I, I'm not quite buying this as science. But, uh, but yeah, they uh, they they're 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 trying to get keys. They, well, they get get directions home based on this from this guy, and uh, he is really messing them with a lot of ways. He wants he wants pilots arm in payment, which they uh, take very little time to, uh, to 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 question whether they're going to do or not. Yeah, no. So so there there were quite a few things about this episode that were actually kind of shocking. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> The first is is the behavior of Zahn and 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 Dargo. They, uh, I, I guess, Rigel too, to a lesser extent. But Zahn and Dargo <laughs> were the ones who seemed to once they once they thought they had maps to their homeworld, their personalities almost changed, and it was kind of alarming. Um, yeah. And 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 they and, and like you said, like the there's that whole scene with the pilot where they take his arm, and it's not it's not like a. a it's not like he volunteered it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it, it turns out to not be a big deal because he can regrow it back. But it was it it it, it was a it, it really changed my point of view of these characters. Um, yeah. And so it does. It does. <laughs> and, and I and, and it was interesting to see Erin uh, Sun's reaction to it all too because she she was actually really disturbed by it as well. And when um, when Dargo was like, well, what are you getting compassionate now? And kind of, you know, yeah. and she was like, no, but it's against a comrade. Like, you know, she has a yeah. sense of teamwork. And and so it, 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 I guess I, when I first saw the episode, oh, well, maybe when he took the sample, he did something to them that caused. But but Adam pretty much clarified that for me that nope, nope, this is probably their personalities. 
So, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, we're sort of back to the beginning of the show where you kind of don't know what to think of some of these people. And they granted, they are all former prisoners. So, you know, yeah, well, I think another small detail they put in this episode that's interesting, cause, you know, it's just the desperation of their actions. They bring up the point where uh, Dargo goes into Rigel's room and Rigel's he's fine. He finds that Rigel has this whole stash of food cubes. Yeah. And he's like, did you have those when we had no food at all for two weeks? <laughs> and it's like there's little there's little hits dropped throughout the show that. Their life is really rough. You yeah. know, they're not cruising around in the Enterprise or something. They're they're they, they they're just scraping by as fugitives with not necessarily having anything. And I mean, I it, you know, I mean, it doesn't forgive what they do, but you can see you can see why there's this level of desperation in their yeah. actions. They're going two two weeks without eating will uh will, will test your test your morality definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, the uh, uh, I, I thought it was um, I thought it was kind of a darker episode for that reason, and also for the you know yeah. the territory it gets into with the the mad scientist character, and and the body transformation of Sun because she goes back to him and asks to have the sample taken from her eye, and he ends up injecting something into her that uh, per- he says it helps her achieve some kind of perfection, but the results don't don't really. Don't seem all that spectacular to me. Um, oh yeah, it was Pilot's DNA was what he was doing. Yeah, he was going to. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you picked up on it, but yeah, basically he was he was putting Pilot's DNA in her to kind of incubate it, so we could then take those take Pilot's traits and put them in himself. So. And, but, uh, well, and that's what we find out he's been doing is he's he started out as this test subject that. Uh, eventually figured out how to enhance his own dna like they were enhancing him and then he got smart enough that he could do it himself and then he became like the the ruler of the <laughs> of the lab and and his hunchbacked assistant is really just the the former lead scientist so yeah. Was, yeah he's he's deformed over time i thought but he yeah, looked I, really cool too the, the uh, what? i thought that the namtar character looked really cool he he had a very interesting look that was quite yeah. creepy um, it was vaguely yeah. satanic, but, but also Fox-like and, uh, it, and, and these giant hands, these like massive ungodly hands that he had. Um, yeah, and, yeah. He, yeah. His legs too have the, uh, the kind of demonic thing too. He's kind of got the, uh, the goat-like legs yeah. to an extent too, that, that kind of enhances it. And of course he, he's just super tall on top of everything else. But, uh, yeah, I, I, no, this, this episode, I mean, another, another aspect too, I mean, Aaron goes through the whole transformation thing before we even get to that plot point. The thing that drives her to go back to Namtar is that she is, uh, you know, a, a basically realizes that everyone else is going to go home or at least is going to try to go home. And I mean, and, and, you know, she, she opens up to Crichton a bit. That's like, she, she can't go home. It's like, just, it's not a matter of knowing where her home is. She's just exiled. Yeah. She is, she is, is, is stuck. And, uh, I mean, and for her, she really, she kind of has a lot of growth in this episode. Her opening up to Crichton about how she's never been alone in her life. She's always been part of a unit or something as a peacekeeper. And it's just, She's kind of terrified at the idea that everyone's just going to abandon her yeah. over over time. 
No, so. no, that, I thought that was a very interesting character development. I thought it was a nice contrast with sort of the darker turn that uh, that Zahn and Dargo were taking, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it definitely worked. But this was, a, and again, the body horror in this was all very creepy. The, uh, you know, the, the, the Island of Dr. Moreau stuff was all really effective. And, um, and, and, I, and I just thought that, the, that all of the other pieces of the story worked really well. The stuff that you're talking about, like all of the character development and all of the drama that was unfolding there, as well as sort of the, you know, the sort of the more horror uh, oriented parts of the movie, of the show. So th- this was, this was a, uh, like a really high quality episode, in my opinion. It was uh, it was it was quite exceptional, um, yeah. and 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 it's funny because that name which you were talking about that really kind of at first I was like oh DNA mad scientist that's you know <laughs> this is gonna suck and 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 then no. when the episode opened I was like yep DNA mad scientist this <laughs> I was already ready to like not like the episode but it, but within moments I was I was hooked on it. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a it, it just sort of takes like like one of the oldest tropes in the genre, and does something exceptionally good with it. So you know, it's it's a this is one like if you know, mad scientists have been done to death, but this was a really cool mad scientist storyline. I thought it was. Well, I mean, everything. I mean, it, 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 all the all the characters in the show have really significant roles in this episode. Like, and I mean, it, it's revealing about the characters in surprising ways. I remember early on you were talking about Zahn. I remember you you said something early on. You're like, I don't know. I have a feeling she might be manipulative or something. And it's like here, you know, it's like I, something something you kind of brought it up. You were wondering about that. You just yeah. didn't quite trust her. And it's like this is an episode where you really. Really get seated. Yeah, she can. She can be very, very manipulative at times. Though I do have to say, there was that pr- thing that happened the previous episode, where there's a possible explanation for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. Uh, so it, it it clouds it even further in my mind. I mean, I, you've you've seen the whole show, so you have you obviously have a crystal clear vision of of uh, of Zahn. Uh, but right now, I'm really wondering. You know what what this lady is all about because because she was one of the more likable characters in the show she seemed very compassionate and very uh very kind and tender to people and now i'm like whoa what happened to zan and yeah and dargo i I, I can sort of see him this is more in line with dargo's personality do you know what i mean like it doesn't it doesn't shock me that he's doing these things but i'm a little bit shocked that zan is doing it yeah well i think I think one of the worst Zahn moments in the episode is when Pilot comes on the screen later. She's like, oh, Pilot, how are you? <laughs> she's just like, oh, how are you doing? You know, since, since we just chopped your arm off. It's like she's just it's just such like, oh, such a horrible, horrible tone deaf response. And it's and it's, it's in line with the way, she, you know, the, the when you when you when you think Zahn is like entirely nice, it's exactly the kind of thing she would say then, you know, just, oh, very polite and courteous, but it's like in, in that context, it's it's just a really kind of ugly moment. No, I I agree. I I, I definitely agree that it, it was. Uh, I don't. I mean, I mean, I guess it was a it was an episode where they were trying to make you hyper aware too of sort of like it's a, it it was sort of a moral conundrum, where I mean they were that was the price. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. And they did want to get to their home worlds, but I feel like the show was clearly giving it more from the point of view of pilot and Crichton 
than Zahn and and all them. Uh, yeah. But it it really took a dark turn. Um, I I was I was I was really not expecting it to go where it went with Pilot. Do you know what I mean? That was a um that was a that was a very shocking moment in the episode. Um, yeah, yeah, and it just jumps to it. It's like you go from you know they're they're presented with the opportunity and then boom it just jumps to yeah they're all they're wrestling with him to get his arm <laughs> there's no there's no debate scene or something it just jumps right to it and uh, and, uh i love i love pilot's reaction to the way he's when he's talking to Crichton early on he's like oh it's just the price i have to pay and he yeah. i don't i i deal with it and then later on, you just get that biting thing, you know, where he's like, oh, it appears your crystal was useless. <laughs> Lucky for you, you didn't trade anything of real value. It's just like he really digs it in there. It's like, yeah, yeah, this bothered you more than you're letting on, Pilot. He, he's <laughs> like the ultimate bureaucrat. Do you know what I mean? Sort of... <laughs> exactly. He, 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 his, his, uh, his barbs have to be you know, very finely honed and, 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 and they, they but they can't, they, you almost, they, they're like needle-like. You can't, you can't really, they can't be so direct that people even realize he's doing it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, there needs to be enough plausible deniability, but, uh, but yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought that that was all good. There was a Mengele a, a reference too. Um, yeah, that's you know, right. That's and, right. Uh, and, and so, you know, I thought I thought I thought that that was, uh, you know, I thought that was an interesting moment for Crichton, where he's kind of always an idiot. Do you know what I mean in this in this universe? And he's able to kind of stand up a little bit and say, "Well, no, we have guys like you where I'm from too." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so I thought that was a I thought that was a, that was kind of a cool way to throw in the Auschwitz reference without without being too direct about it. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like yeah. it, like. I think people pick up on that, but it's 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 a little bit more on the subtle side um, than than like a direct direct ref. Like I thought he was going to say Hitler or something. I mean, that would be the sort of the more standard thing that they would do. And so yeah, to, no, Mengele was the better way to go, yeah. definitely. So so I thought I thought that was kind of a nice little touch, and um, and yeah, I, I, again, this is this was a good episode. I I I really enjoyed it, um, and I'm really wondering where things are going to go now. Yeah, yeah, and no, I, uh, we're, we're really, really getting into good stuff going forward here. I think, uh, at least, basically, I'd say for the rest of the season, you're going to get one really good episode out of the two, definitely, if not two really good episodes from here on. So, okay. <laughs> well, that's, that's good news. That's all good news. Um, no, I'm, I'm, and I'm really liking the aesthetics of the show. Um, I think the Jim Henson thing really works in its favor a lot. Um, yeah, you know, it, it definitely. It, again, I think uh, I think it's 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 one of these things where it's kind of like an era that's no that that doesn't exist anymore. But yeah, when, when I go really back to this ex- kind of stuff, it really impresses me uh, how well it holds up. Um, yeah, I mean, it really didn't exist much then. I mean, by 1999, we were already pretty deep into the CGI era. Yeah. So this was this was a throwback at the time, and it and like you say, it, it ages really well. It's like 90s 90s CGI is really Obvious. really hit or miss yeah. a lot of times, when more miss than hit. Whereas, yeah, this looks just as good as it did at the time yeah i mean i mean obviously it's a practical effect that has limitations and you can see the limitations but 
it hasn't aged is the thing like like the the technology for that you know kind of hit its peak in like the mid 80s or something so yeah. it's it's it all kind of it, it does it's not like you look back 20 years before and go oh these you know these horrible you know jim henson puppets it's the same puppets over the course of that you know that you know those decades so yeah uh but yeah and again i think i think the other thing too though and and this probably should be the last time we talk about it because i keep talking about it a lot but <laughs> the weight the weight you know uh rigel has weight to him he's got yeah. you know you, he's got some density and 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 if it were cgi he wouldn't even if the actor's trying to make it look like he he does the best you can get is like a um who framed roger rabbit type uh result which is it's just never convincing do you know what i mean i've i've, I've never found cgi convincing not because it doesn't look believable it does but it doesn't look like it has density or weight at all and i don't i don't think that they've ever really managed to i i've i've never seen a movie that really managed to pull that off i think in a in a really as believably as a practical effect would um no no uh, i mean it's uh, i mean it, even i mean even when you use cgi it's good to to mix models and physical objects into it too i mean that was one reason the Lord of the Rings movies look better than most CGI was because they, they did both mm. and it, it, it held it together a bit. But, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I'm really with you on the, on the, the whole puppetry thing. I mean, pilot, this is a, a fairly significant episode for pilot too. And, and I mean, that's, he's just very impressive too. Well, and that scene wouldn't have worked without the, you know, if that if if the effects didn't pull it off, it would have, you know, it, it just wouldn't have worked. So, um, so yeah, the scene with them all kind of hanging on to him, trying to grab his arm, like you couldn't you couldn't do that the same way with CGI. It would be impossible. So yeah, so I, so yeah, this was a good episode, it, it, and it, and uh, and I think um, I think I guess we'll be on what day. Uh, Wednesday is that our next is are we doing some panels on Wednesday is that our next thing uh I don't know we we're gonna do one Wednesday and one on Sundays from now on so um why don't we do Sopranos on Wednesday and Farscape on Sundays because okay I think that I think that'll work better um and and, unless you have trouble getting through the Sopranos this week or something Um, yeah we're going to do three episodes for the uh, first podcast so I I think I can do three episodes I can't see any huge reason I can't but if I don't I'll let you know if you don't we can just start with two if we have to that's fine Um, yeah but uh uh you know let's let's see what we're what we're able to do and so we'll do the Sopranos and Farscape and uh I forget what movie we have lined up for Friday on Wushu Weekend but we got one and uh and yeah so uh i guess until then we will we will talk to you later